The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, January 10th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Goldman ups its forecast for tightening from the Fed. Economic forecasts fall prey to the Omicron variant as millions of workers call out sick. The White House makes plans to impose export restrictions on Russia. And earnings get underway this week with results from big banks. A deadly blaze is being described as one of the worst fires in New York City modern history. Plus, tributes come in for comedian Bob Saget. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Jets and Giants lost as the NFL regular season ended. The Raiders, Steelers, and 49ers grabbed the last playoff spots. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Hey, good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. futures are little change this morning. It is coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures, little change. So are Dow futures. NASDAQ futures are moving lower, down about 31 points. The DAX in Germany is down about two-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury down three-thirty seconds, yield 1.77%. The yield on the two-year, 0.86%. And NYMEX crude oil is little change at $78.87 a barrel. Bitcoin at $41,748. John. And Karen, Fed policy remains front and center. Last week's Fed minutes and the U.S. jobs report were market-moving events. Now we have a big call on the future of interest rates. Let's get the latest from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, John. Goldman Sachs expects the Fed to raise interest rates four times this year and begin the balance sheet runoff process in July. The firm had previously expected the balance sheet runoff to start in December, and it's all due to a stronger labor market and hawkish signs from those December minutes. Fed officials have been signaling a quicker move to tighten policy, and Goldman says that could lead to faster policy normalization than we've seen before. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Right, Renita, thank you. Well, inflation also remains in focus, and veteran investor Mark Mobius says traders are underpricing the risks. He tells us that the recent spike in Treasury yields has room to run. I think they can go much, much higher. They've got to equal what we're seeing with inflation at the end of the day, because people are not going to be buying Treasuries if they see that they're only getting 2 or 3%, but inflation is 7, 8, 9, 10%. So at the end of the day, those rates have to go up. And those comments from Mark Mobius come after hawkish minutes from the Fed's December meeting underscored the case for faster rate hikes. And speaking of inflation, it's the main event on this week's economic calendar. Here with more is Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice. 
The Labor Department issues the Consumer Price Index on Wednesday, and the data could put more pressure on the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates as soon as March. Bloomberg Economics says December CPI will register a 7% year-over-year increase as COVID-19-related supply shortages persist, fueling the worst inflation since the 1980s. This week's data on December producer prices and import prices will probably offer a similar narrative. Benitel, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. Many thank you. Well, economic forecasts are also falling prey to the Omicron variant. The new COVID strain is now posing a new test of growth. And Bloomberg said Baxter has the story. It is posing something on which employers have no control. Absenteeism because of illness, people calling in sick. What started as a holiday flight cancellation has now become a reality in factories, grocery stores and ports again, testing supply chains top to bottom. The widespread absenteeism is already constraining output, and several economists have downgraded their first quarter forecasts. How bad? How long? It may take several weeks to assess. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Ed. On Capitol Hill, Democrats are pushing for another round of virus aid. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says they could add relief aid to a package to government funding legislation. Now, the administration has not made a formal request for more funding, uh, but it is clear from the opportunity that is there and, the uh, again, the challenge that is there from the uh, resilience of this virus. Speaker Pelosi making the comments on Face the Nation from CBS heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Well, John, interesting data on vaccines coming out of Asia this morning. Singapore saw the fewest deaths among those with Moderna's vaccine and the most deaths among those with Sinovac's shot. Nearly 70 percent of the 800 virus deaths recorded in the city-state last year were among unvaccinated individuals. Geopolitics also in focus this morning, Karen, as meetings between the U.S. and Russia get underway. Bloomberg News has learned the White House and U.S. allies may impose export restrictions on Moscow if Vladimir Putin seizes more of Ukraine. They're discussing limits on sensitive technology and electronics. And today in Geneva, senior American and Russian officials begin talks aimed at easing tensions over Ukraine. Here's Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. I don't think we're going to see any uh, any breakthroughs in the coming uh, in the coming week. We're going to be able to put things on the table. The Russians will do the same, uh, both directly with us at NATO, at the OSCE, uh, and we'll see if there are grounds for uh, for moving forward. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken making the comments on CNN's State of the Union. Well, turning to the markets now, John, we have a bullish call from Julian Emanuel. The Evercore ISI strategist says the S&P 500 is likely to end the year at 5,100 as the pandemic becomes an endemic by mid-year. That's about a 10% increase from current levels. Manuel says, Emmanuel says 5,500 is also possible. His downside target is just south of 3,600 if the pandemic is prolonged or there's a hangover from spending and debt. And meantime, earnings season kicks off in earnest on Wall Street this week. With more, here's Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Banks will be front and center with reports Friday from J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo. They come as investors debate the strength of the economy and the Federal Reserve's next policy moves. Seema Shaw is chief strategist at Principal Global Investors. Look, when we think about equities, we've got to think about rates, but we've also got to think about earnings. And the outlook that we have for 2022 is still a very solid recovery, it's still a very strong economic environment. Among some of the other names scheduled to report this week, Delta, 
Albertsons, Infosys, and KB Home. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Charlie. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, futures a little changed at this point. They've been fluctuating. Dow futures right now two points higher. The S&P E-mini futures are down five points. And the Nasdaq futures 47 points lower. This is Daybreak. And it's now 6.07 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. At least 19 people were killed in New York City yesterday in a high-rise apartment fire. Officials say the fire in the Bronx also injured dozens of other people. New York Mayor Eric Adams. It's a very significant moment to have uh, just the unification of our city uh, during this time of of a tragedy. Mayor Eric Adams, as investigators say, the cause of the blaze was a malfunctioning space heater in an apartment on the third floor. New York City Fire Commissioner Daniel Nigro tells us many people are fighting for their lives because of smoke inhalation. The door to that apartment, unfortunately, when the residents left, was left open. It did not close by itself. The smoke spread throughout the building. Uh, thus, the tremendous loss of life and other people fighting for their lives right now uh, in hospitals all over the Bronx. Commissioner Nigro says nine of the deaths were children. Republican Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, one of former President Donald Trump's closest allies in Congress, has rejected a request for an interview by the House panel investigating the January 6th Capitol riot. In a letter to the committee chairman, Jordan says the American people are tired of Democrats' nonstop investigations and partisan witch hunts. Republican Senator Ron Johnson said that he'll seek a third term in 2022. Johnson, a staunch supporter of former President Donald Trump, opposes COVID-19 vaccination and mask mandates. Johnson is a top target for Democrats after he narrowly won his seat in both 2010 and 2016 in the key battleground state. New York Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has tested positive for COVID-19. According to her office, Ocasio-Cortez, who is fully vaccinated and has had a booster shot, is experiencing symptoms and recovering at home. Tributes are pouring in for comedian Bob Saget. He played Father Danny Tanner on the sitcom Full House. It's Mr. Carr. What does Mr. Carr say? You're right. He doesn't say anything. Saget was found dead yesterday in his Orlando, Florida hotel room. Bob Saget, who was on a stand-up tour, was 65. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. All right, Michael, thank you. It's coming up on 610 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. And with that, here's John Stashower. Thanks, John. The NFL regular season is over. Thankfully for the Jets and Giants, they both went 4-13. and The Jets, like last week, were at least in their game. Trailed the Bills by only three midway through the fourth quarter. But Buffalo went on to win 27-10. to The Jets will go to next season unsure how good a quarterback they have. Rookie Zach Wilson yesterday completed only seven passes. The Jets will have the... Fourth and tenth picks of the draft. The Giants will have the fifth and seventh picks. They will clearly be looking to improve an offense so inept. The Giants on a third and nine yesterday ran a quarterback sneak rather than risk a turnover. They lost to Washington 22-7. to They lost their last six games only once. 
scored more than 10 points. The departure of GM Dave Gettleman could come today. Regular season ended last night in Las Vegas. The Chargers came from 15 down in the last five minutes to force overtime. But the Raiders kicked a field goal on the final play to win 35-32. Had the game ended at a tie, both teams would have made the playoffs. Instead, only the Raiders do. They'll play Cincinnati. The Chargers are out. The Steelers are in. They were helped by Indianapolis's stunning loss at Jacksonville. Pittsburgh now headed to Kansas City. New England will play Buffalo. In the NFC, it's Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, the 49ers in Dallas. Arizona goes to play the L.A. Rams. Overtime in Brooklyn, the Nets' first home win since mid-December. Beat the Spurs 121-119. A win for the Warriors. Clay Thompson back playing first time in two and a half years. A judge in Australia reinstated Novak Djokovic's visa. As of now, he can play the upcoming Australian Open. An historic hire by the Yankees. Rachel Balkovic will manage their Class A minor league team in Tampa first female to hold such a job. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, John. Ahead of the cash open on Wall Street. little change with the futures right now. Dow futures down to two. The S&P futures five points lower. NASDAQ futures, they're 50 points lower. This is Bloomberg. Daybreak being brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off of the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit a tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. S&P futures, little change this morning. So are Dow futures, while NASDAQ futures are falling down about 42. And the 10-year Treasury is down 3.30 seconds, yield 1.77%. Pfizer paying as much as $1.35 billion to partner with Cambridge-based Beam Therapeutics on developing drugs for rare genetic diseases using base editing. And Owens and Minor agreeing to buy Aprion, a deal with an equity value of almost $1.5 billion. We are coming up to 618 on Wall Street. It is time for your daily Bloomberg crypto update. And with the latest in crypto news, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita. Karen, right now Bitcoin is trading lower, around 42000 as Goldman Sachs predicts the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates four times this year. That's more than the previous forecast of three hikes. But it's more than rates weighing on Bitcoin this morning. Coindesk points out the asset is approaching its so-called death cross, where its 50-day moving average drops below its 200-day moving average. That's a bearish indicator, but the last time that happened in June, it was followed by a fresh bull run. Meantime, congressional candidates are selling non-fungible tokens to help finance their campaigns in the midterm elections. Democrat Sharina Karani, an engineer who's running for a House seat in California, and Republican Blake Masters, who's vying for a Senate seat in Arizona, are offering NFTs as incentives for donors. And that's your Bloomberg Crypto Update. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Karen? All right, Renita, thank you. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. In New York, a malfunctioning space heater sparked a fire that filled a high-rise Bronx apartment building with thick smoke Sunday morning, killing at least 19 people, including nine children. An Australian judge has reinstated tennis star Novak Djokovic's visa, which was canceled last week because he is unvaccinated. In the final week of the regular NFL season, the Giants lost to Washington. 
the Jets lost. The 49ers are in the playoffs after beating the Rams 27-24. The Patriots lost to the Dolphins, but still advance. The Steelers are in the postseason after beating the Ravens. In the NBA, the Nets, Wizards, and Warriors won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg John. All right, Michael, thank you. It is now 6.20 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning, I'm John Tucker. Inflation and rates front and center for the markets this week, much as they have been for the past month. Goldman Sachs raising its forecast for rate hikes after last week's Fed minutes and the U.S. jobs report. And coming up this week, we get fresh data on inflation. Economists predict the Consumer Price Index will show annual inflation coming in at 7%. Let's get more of the outlook for prices and rates now from Mark Mobius, the veteran investor and founder of Mobius Capital Partners. Sat down last night for an interview with Bloomberg's Yosef uh, Gamal Aldin. And let's hear what he had to say. If you consider the fact that the money supply in America went up by over 30% last year, you have to expect prices to go up by that much. The good news, of course, is that technology pushes prices down, but the reality is that, in fact, those 7% numbers are probably underestimating what is coming down the pike. So uh, we can expect uh, higher, higher prices, but, of course, higher wages because you can see unemployment is down and people will be getting more money. So you're going to see a balancing of these two forces as we go forward. How high can rates go? And look at 30, you're kind of busted through the 2% mark as well. I think they can go much, much higher. They've got to equal what we're seeing with inflation at the end of the day, because people are not going to be buying treasuries if they see that they're only getting 2 or 3%, but inflation is 7, 8, 9, 10%. So at the end of the day, those rates have to go up. Okay. Well, with higher rates, the traditional thinking would be that, you know, tech would underperform, which is why we've seen quite a bit of volatility in the NASDAQ, for example, the last few trading sessions. And then, you know, have that broader rotation. Are you subscribing to that broader rotation? Uh, well, I think what's happening is that uh, those tech companies that have not been making money, uh, they're going to be in deep trouble. Those stocks are going to go down in price. But companies that are having a very good return on capital, paying dividends, have a good profit increase, those companies are going to be outstanding. They're going to be outperforming. So there's going to be a strong differentiation in the market, if you will. Mark, uh, when you look at the China story, uh, there are some major risks that have kept quite a bit of foreign capital away, especially out of the United States and Europe. Run me through your thinking on the China opportunity set at the moment. Well, my feeling is that uh, the crackdown, so-called crackdown by the uh, Chinese regulators has been a good thing uh, because there's no question there was a little bit of a Wild West atmosphere in the Chinese market for quite some time. I mean, you can look at what these property companies were doing. They were not only in property, they were all over the map uh, buying football stadiums, et cetera, et cetera. So there had to be some kind of uh, a crackdown and regulatory emphasis on the part of the uh, Chinese government. And I think what they're doing is a good thing from a long-term point of view. Of course, from a short-term point of view, it hits the index because you get the big boys like Alibaba, Tencent, 
coming down dramatically. And of course, that affects the Chinese index. And by the way, it also affects the Emerging Markets Index, which is down because of China. But at the end of the day, uh, we're very interested in keeping our uh, watch on China, particularly in the medium and small cap area, because I believe with a more level playing field, the medium cap companies in particular will do much better than they have done before. And that's veteran investor Mark Moby is speaking with Bloomberg's Yusuf Gamal Eldin. You can catch more of that conversation on the Bloomberg Terminal and online at Bloomberg.com. Ahead of the cash open on Wall Street for this Monday morning, the futures, they've been fluctuating back and forth all morning long. Right now, the Dow futures, they're unchanged. S&P E-mini futures are six points lower, and the Nasdaq futures are 60 points lower. Overseas cyclical stocks, you have like energy, banks tied to the economic expansion. Among the biggest gainers on the stocks, Europe 600. That's uh, offsetting declines in tech firms and some of the real estate. Uh, uh, Treasury yields right now, they are extending their climbs. The 10-year yield, 176. The two-year yield right now in the U.S. at 0.86%. And you're listening to Bloomberg Digray. The Bloomberg weather from meteorologist Rob Carolyn. Sunshine, breezy, colder today, the high 30. Now tonight, partly cloudy, some snow showers possible. Breezy, turning a lot colder after midnight, the low temperature 15. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Yeah, 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. And U.S. futures are extending their losses now to begin the week. The S&P 500 is down 1.9% so far this year. That's the worst start since 2016. The tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 is down 4.5%. It all comes as traders anticipate higher interest rates, and Goldman Sachs is ramping up its forecast on that front. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us now with more. Karen, Goldman Sachs expects the Fed to raise interest rates four times this year and begin the balance sheet runoff process in July. That's moved up from a previous forecast of December. It's all because of a stronger labor market and hawkish signs from the central bank's latest meeting. Goldman says the Fed is set to normalize policy faster than we've ever seen before. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Renita. Treasury yields, they continue to climb with a 10-year benchmark moving closer to 2%. Garfield Reynolds covers rates for Bloomberg News. 2% can come in this quarter, and if it does bust through that 2%, it could go significantly higher before anybody calls a halt because there's a little bit too much complacency out there about just how far, how far. Bloomberg's Garfield Reynolds says this week's reports on inflation, CPI on Wednesday and PPI on Thursday will be key for the bond market. Well, John, geopolitics is also in focus this morning ahead of meetings between the U.S. and Russia. Bloomberg News has learned the White House and U.S. allies may impose export restrictions on Moscow if Vladimir Putin seizes more of Ukraine. 
You get the latest from Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo. So far, you know, some of the lines that we've gotten here is pretty much the same kind of mood music that we've heard for weeks now, kind of saying, you know, the United States, there's two ways here, one in which Russia de-escalates and we go for a diplomatic solution. If there's no diplomatic uh, solution to the Ukraine tension, then we could see immediate and huge, massive repercussions on the Russian economy. And, of course, Russia still playing this very tough, saying we're not going into talks to concede. And Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo says talks are ongoing in Geneva. They'll be followed by NATO meetings in Brussels later this week. S&P futures are a little change to lower, down three points. Dow futures little change. NASDAQ futures down 44. The DAX in Germany is down three-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down three-thirty-seconds, yield 1.77 percent. The yield on the two-year, 0.86 percent. And NYMEX crude oil is down three-tenths of a percent. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 6.33 of Wall Street. And let's bring in Michael Barr now to tell us what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much. New York Mayor Eric Adams says it's one of the worst fires in modern city history. 19 deaths. Nine of them are children, are babies that we lost. And we're all feeling this. And we're going to be here for this community the blaze that broke out at a high-rise apartment building in the Bronx also injured dozens. New York Governor Kathy Hochul. We are indeed a city in shock. To see it in a mother's eyes as I held her, who lost her entire family. New York Fire Commissioner Daniel Nigro. The marshals have determined through physical evidence and through first-hand accounts by the residents that this fire started in a bedroom in a portable electric heater. Commissioner Nigro says the blaze began in a third-floor apartment and smoke quickly spread. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York has tested positive for COVID-19. According to her office, Ocasio-Cortez, who is fully vaccinated and has had a booster shot, is experiencing symptoms and recovering at home. Bob Saget, the actor-comedian known for his role in Full House and host of America's Funniest Home Videos, died while on a stand-up tour. Detectives who found Saget's body in an Orlando, Florida hotel room say there were no signs of foul play or drug use in the case. Bob Saget was 65. Thanks, but it took too long. That complaint about the distribution of $1 billion FEMA dollars in pandemic-ravaged New York City. Standing alongside Mayor Eric Adams, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says that the FEMA money now being delivered to the Big Apple to help hospitals was approved two years ago, long before the Omicron variant arrived. We are saying to FEMA, no more delays. When the city applies for relief money from Omicron, we can't wait another two years. Senator Schumer says the money will pay for a lot of COVID expenses. Ohio Representative Jim Jordan indicated that he won't voluntarily testify to the House Committee investigating the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, writing the inquiry isn't fair-minded and objective. Jordan is one of former President Donald Trump's congressional allies and has publicly acknowledged talking on the phone with Trump on January 6th as rioters stormed the Capitol. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. All right, Michael, thank you. 
is now 6.36 on Wall Street, and that's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. All right, John, with season-ending losses, the Jets and Giants both finished 4-13, and 13, so they get high draft picks. The Jets also own Seattle's pick, and the Giants have Chicago, so the two New York teams together own four of the top ten picks. Both teams need plenty of help. The Giants need a ton of help on offense. They lost to Washington 22-7. to Antonio Gibson ran for 146 yards. Giants only had... 177 total, only 10 first downs. Jake Fromm did throw a touchdown pass, but also had a fumble, two interceptions. One of those returned for a score. Giants lost their last six all by double digits. And now general manager Dave Gettleman seems certain to leave his four-year record, 19-46. and Not known if Coach Joe Judge keeps his job. Jets lost in Buffalo 27-10. to The playoffs begin Saturday with Las Vegas at Cincinnati. The Raiders beat the Chargers last night. 35-32 on a field goal on the last play of overtime. A tie would have meant both teams got in. Instead, the Chargers are out and the Steelers are in. They'll play at Kansas City. New England goes to Buffalo. The NFC has Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. 49ers in Dallas and Arizona at the L.A. Rams. Alabama looks to make it seven national championships in the last 13 years. The Crimson Tide beat Georgia last month. In the SEC Championship game, they'll play again tonight in Indianapolis. Georgia actually a slight favorite. Its last title came in 1980. Overtime in Brooklyn, Nets beat the Spurs 121-119. A judge in Australia reinstated Novak Djokovic's visa. As of now, he's free to play the upcoming Australian Open, but the government could still take further action against him. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, John, thanks very much. It is coming up on 638 on Wall Street. And it's time to take a look at stocks, some of the names that are moving in this pre-market this morning. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent, Kriti Gupta. Kriti, happy Monday to you. Let's uh, let's be optimistic and start with some of the, the stocks that are moving higher this morning in the pre-market. Yeah, well, good morning, John. Happy Monday to you as well. Yeah, let's start with the big ones. BioMarin is the one that's coming up at the top of my list here. BMRN is your ticker, up 3.3% in the pre-market after the biotech firm announced positive results for its hemophilia treatment trial on Sunday. This is a biotech company which, as all biotech companies, needs a pretty binary response. Positive news means positive uh moves for the stock as well. Moving on to Warner Media and Viacom CBS, they are considering a sale of the CW network, according to the Los Angeles Business Journal, but they were also raised to a buy at Deutsche Bank, a price target of $43, so Viacom shares rising in the pre-market. VIAC is your ticker there, up to the tune of 3%. I want to move on to Micron Technology. MU is your ticker, up 1.1%, initiated at a buy by New Street Research. The price target was announced at 130 $35 a share. Right now, the shares are hovering around $95. So you can see how that's a pretty bullish catalyst for Micron Technology. MU, once again, is the ticker. And speaking of the big tech companies, I want to move on to security software company Zscaler. ZS is your ticker, up 1.3%. UBS saying plenty of growth levers to pull and upgrading the company to a buy from a neutral. All right, those are the stocks that are higher in the pre market. I bet you also have some of those that are moving lower. We've, we've got a couple. We like to look at them as well. Um, we're going to be balanced in particular. Here. We have to. We have to. We're journalists at the end of the day. Well, I'm talking about those tech companies. Morgan Stanley upgrading its entire sector view on U.S. IT services to attractive from in line with growth expecting to remain at high levels for foreseeable futures. That being said, uh, Cognizant was not part of that, getting a, a, a 
drop lower in the prices. CTSH is your ticker down 1.7%, really citing a shortage of skilled talent for the broader IT sector, John. All right, Kriti Gupta, appreciate it. Uh, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Yeah, looking at the uh, stocks as a whole, uh, head of the cash open on Wall Street. Right now we have the S&P futures. They are lower, down eight points, down about two-tenths of a percent. We've been in and out of losses, uh, gains and losses this morning. Dow futures, they're down 21 points. Not a lot of movement there. And the Nasdaq futures, they are down 61 points. That's down four-tenths of a percent. We can also uh, switch to fixed income right now, 10-year yield. It is higher, 176, and the two-year yield at 0.86%. Uh, volatility index, haven't paid a lot of attention to that lately. Right now, the VIX at 20.06. That's a slightly elevated at this point. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg weather for today, mostly sunny, breezy, colder, the high temperature 30. Now, tonight, things really change, partly cloudy. Could see some snow showers this evening. It'll be breezy, a lot colder after midnight. The low temperature, 15. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and S&P futures are lower at the moment. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. Modest losses in the futures right now. Dow futures down 18 points. S&P's dropped 7. NASDAQ futures are lower by 55. The U.S. 10-year yield at 1.77%. Gold is up 5. Oil is trading lower. And Bitcoin is down by 1.7%. Hong Kong rose 1.6% overnight, while European markets are posting modest losses this morning. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 10 o'clock, November wholesale inventories. And also regarding earnings this morning, Lululemon now sees Q4 EPS and revenue at the low end of the range. Shares are down 8% in the pre-market. In deal news, Owens and Miner to buy Apria for 37.50 per per share in cash. And in other news, Goldman Sachs now expects the Fed to raise rates four times this year. Wrapping things up, Dell Technologies was raised to outperform Ed Bernstein. Adidas and Nike both cut to hold at HSBC. And Toll Brothers was cut to sector perform at RBC. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. At least 19 people were killed in New York City Sunday in a high-rise apartment fire in the Bronx. Investigators say a malfunctioning space heater sparked a blaze. Bob Saget's full house family is reacting to the news of his death. John Stamos says he is broken. Saget died in his Orlando, Florida hotel room at 65. In the final week of the regular NFL season, the Giants lost to Washington. The Jets lost. The 49ers are in the playoffs after beating the Rams. The Patriots lost to the Dolphins but still advance. The Ravens lost to the Steelers. Round one, playoff games. Raiders and Bengals, Patriots and Bills, Eagles and Bucks, 49ers and Cowboys, Steelers and Chiefs, Cardinals and Rams, Packers and Titans get buys. In the NBA, the Nets, Wizards and Warriors won. An Australian judge has reinstated tennis star Novak Djokovic's visa, which was canceled last week because he is unvaccinated. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg.
The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. Bigger child tax credits can pay dividends for the U.S. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Not many people expected that the pandemic would bring a big decline in poverty in the U.S., but thanks to lots of government aid, that's what seems to have happened, at least if you go by a Census Bureau measure that factors in assistance programs and unavoidable expenses not reflected in the official poverty rate. The percentage of Americans below this supplemental poverty measure poverty line fell to a record low 9% in 2020 and is projected to have dropped further last year. Poverty has fallen most for children, due in part to a $100 billion expansion of the child tax credit that expires this month. Keeping some of that in place could pay dividends, as keeping kids out of poverty makes them more likely to succeed as adults. I'm Justin Fox. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. And it is 6.50 on Wall Street. We turn to news in science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, which announced the renowned scholar and educational leader, Dr. Tech Lim, will join the university as NJIT's ninth president. Learn more at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Shipping companies and software developers are experimenting with self-driving trucks as a way to solve a driver shortage worsened by the pandemic. J.B. Hunt, Uber's freight division, and FedEx are among the operators testing automated big rigs as a lack of drivers has caused ports to back up and intensify the supply chain squeeze gripping the economy. While self-driving trucks are still years from winning regulatory approval, pioneers of the technology see it as a long-term solution to an increasingly intractable labor problem. The new CEO of Ferrari is trying to put the iconic Italian automaker on track for electrification. Benedetto Vigna is revamping the company's organizational structure and hiring managers with a technology background. Ferrari has been slow to embrace batteries. Its first fully electric car is not scheduled to debut until 2025. And the parent of Facebook is going bigger in Texas. Meta Platforms has leased half of what will be the biggest skyscraper in the city of Austin. The company has 2,000 employees in Austin and is seeking to hire 400 more. Both Samsung and Tesla have recently announced plans to expand in the area. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. John. All right, thanks, Karen. And we are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it is now 6.52 on Wall Street. That means it's time to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital this morning include talks between the U.S. and Russia taking center stage in Europe this week. The House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, floating the idea of another round of coronavirus relief aid as state and local tax deductions are likely playing a major role in the midterm elections. Let's take a deeper dive into these stories this morning with Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. Happy Monday to you, Em. Uh, let's start with the U.S. considering uh, restrictions on Russia to try and keep a lid on Vladimir Putin. What are the restrictions we're talking about here? 
So at this point, uh, we're looking for potential export controls on Russia, just curbing sensitive uh, technology, curbing electronics. And this would all be if President Putin decides to move more on Ukraine. No decisions have been made quite of yet. Uh, and we're going to be, of course, looking very closely at the talks that happens this week for what goes forward. There has also been a bit of a suggestion that the Biden administration might try and offer a carrot instead of a stick, try to come to some sort of agreement with Russia about how uh, Western military is expanding in the area. Uh, definitely don't want to go against NATO on that, but trying to see if there is some way to find middle ground. Now, is the U.S., to be clear, going to negotiate scaling back uh, deployments from uh, of troops? So one thing that the U.S. wants to make sure in the area that they are sort of like keeping up with their allies, that they aren't necessarily uh, moving from the area. I mean, definitely the U.S. is will be looking for Putin to pull back some of the troops that he's amassed at Ukraine's border in recent months. Um, that's something that has been a, a huge concern, definitely something the U.S. has been keeping a very close eye on. Uh, given that buildup, uh, there were some U.S. experts who believe that if Putin was going to strike in Ukraine that would happen in early 2022 and here we are okay let's move on to our our next story possibly uh, more virus aid in Washington at least the house speakers talking about it is anybody else Well, Speaker Pelosi said there is an opportunity. And yes, the Washington Post reported uh, last week that you've got uh, a number of senators, bipartisan, both Democrats and Republicans, who are talking about potentially giving another boost in aid to businesses that are being hurt by the continuance of the Omicron variant, who are struggling to to find workers, to maintain workers, uh, who just are struggling a little bit as so many people get hit with the current variant. And that's been uh, the number that was floated out there. Uh, was was pretty low if you look at some of the other stimulus. We're nowhere in the trillions. We're not in the hundred billions. We're at around like you know sixty sixty seventy billion dollars. Uh, but nothing is clear at this point. Pelosi pointed out that the White House hasn't sent a request for funding. That's normally how these things originate. And what could potentially happen here is remember Congress will uh, has this temporary funding of the government that will go until mid February. Congress will then need to extend that funding further if the White House does put a request for more funding for Omicron, it seems like the door is open for a bipartisan agreement maybe to be added to that much larger spending bill. Yeah, near and dear to our hearts, those of us that live in high-tax states, the salt cap. Um, right now, well, let's be clear, it was Republicans who imposed the cap on the salt deductions on your taxes. And it may be the Democrats in the midterms who get uh, get blamed for part of that. Well, it was Republicans who imposed it, and then it was Democrats who benefited from it. You saw that law, tax law with the cap go into effect in 2017, and then the 2018 midterms, huge blue wave. Democrats picked up a lot of seats, including in New York and New Jersey, and a number of members who won, they ran on saying they would repeal the salt cap. And so now you've gotten to the point where you're seeing a number of them up for this, they're up for re-election. It's going to be a difficult year for Democrats. It always is for the party that's in power 
power at the White House. And instead of being able to go home and show their constituents, hey, we were able to do something with the salt cap, that's all gotten holed up now because uh, there is so much disagreement right now, particularly from Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Kirsten Sinema on Joe Biden's social spending and tax plan, of which the, the salt cap was a part of. So there is sort of a big question about what, if anything, will happen with that, if there might be some other way for it to move, if there's some momentum that's potentially left for that um, economic plan that Biden put forward. I think I think there are a lot of questions, but one thing we really do know looking at the map is that if they don't wind up getting something done on the salt cap, that's going to make a lot of these members all the more vulnerable and then all the more likely that Democrats will lose control of the House this November. Emily, always a pleasure. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. And you can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal Also, a reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. And as we look at futures ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, S&P futures, they're down five points right now, down about a tenth of a percent. The Nasdaq futures, 48 points lower. And uh, the uh, Dow futures right now, they are unchanged, dead flat. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. For Karen Mosca, I'm John Tucker. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.